Welcome to Heart Shaped Pod, a Nirvana fan podcast, with your hosts, Adam Todd Brown and Travis Clark. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Heart Shaped Pod. I am Adam Todd Brown. And I remain Travis fucking Clark. Travis fucking Clark. That's right. How Not- do you... Not motherfucking, just nah. regular fucking. Just, just, yeah. reg- just the cool kind of fucking. Yeah, I, wanna, I leave my mom out of it. Which is pretty much any fucking that doesn't involve your mom. Yeah. Or family members. Yeah, right. Beyond yeah. that, fuck away. Fuck away, people. Fuck away. Fuck away. How have you been? I've been good. Yeah. <laughs> Did that sound convincing? Because it felt wrong. It's it a, felt like a hollow, a hollow choice. No one's doing good. Good right, right now. Right now is not a good time. Right. But I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to be back and, and, and chatting about the uh, the old Seattle fellas with you. It's going to be fun. We're not, neither of us are on fire. Currently. Currently. But I have something planned mid-show, so look <laughs> out. You'll know it. You'll know it when it happens. It's it's hopefully right before I have my thing planned where I pee on something. Oh! So I oh, you could pee on me and put me out because I'm on fire. Right, right. Yeah. As I jump off of something and shit and vomit. Exactly. Foreshadowing. Welcome to Nirvana's first <laughs> European tour. <laughs> That's what we're talking about today. It was a wild affair. We went through a few different books for this one. Heavier Than Heaven uh, by Charles Cross. Come As You Are by Michael Azarad, And Nirvana, the biography by Everett True. The Go ho- out and read them all. <laughs> the holy trinity of uh, Nirvana bio. Bio biographies? Bio, bio books? Bio books, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think that's the right word. That's for the it. right word. Sure. I'm gonna yeah. say it is. If it's a biopic, it's gotta be a bio book. There's no other word for a book like that. Yeah. Yeah. This when we had Mark Yarm on, oh Marky Yarm. Marky Yarm. He uh he he identified those three books as kind of the The Holy Triumphant. The way to kind of triangulate the truth about Nirvana. Weird he didn't include his book. In that, so uh, no comment. We'll we'll read it someday, Mark. We swear. We're on it. I swear to God. <laughs> I look at it every a, day and go, "Oh, he's still mad at me." It's just going to be a running bit <laughs> where we just every week promise to read Mark's book and we're going to read it. I swear it is. It is. It's, it's very nice. Travis left his journals book here. I gotta pick that up. I left it's, that here like a month ago. It's on the floor. I can see it. From I can't. Where I, am. And I I trust your opinion. We'll get it. We'll get it. Don't worry. So yeah, we're talking about when we last left off. I don't even remember. Well, they had just recorded Bleach. Right. When we last left off in the history of Nirvana. And uh, now we're going to talk about their first European tour. I mean, you're jet setting for success, right? That's what you're thinking. Oh my God, I get to go to Europe and play music. I fucking made it, right? Yep. Glamour time. Oh my God, it's going to be nothing but Coke and uh, hookers and... Was Coke popular then? I don't know. It probably. I don't know what people are thinking is the glam life. In your well, the eighties, Coke was huge, just in general. Okay. In all its forms. Crack, regular oh, cocaine. Sure. It's all it was all big. So I'm guessing someone on this tour was thinking it's nothing but uh, rails and broads for as far as the eye can see, right? Yeah. Someone's gotta think that. Yes. And that was Kurt. It seemed like Kurt <laughs> is the one who uh, went into this expecting the the glamorous life in Europe. They show up October 20th, 1989 in London. Kurt's sick immediately. Yep, that sounds right. Has to take three days off before the show starts. Would have liked to visit the British Museum. Is that the British Museum? That's capitalized. Is that just... I guess it's a museum of British. Is that what they call their yeah. museum? They have a really British good uh, bangers and mash exhibit. You have to see it. <laughs> it's unbelievable. It's just a history of boiled food. Unbelievable. <laughs> oh. You wouldn't believe how amazing it is. I would not. Yeah. And the, there's the one toothbrush that the country uses is there. <laughs> it's really pretty impressive. Uh, you have gross teeth, England. <laughs> But he couldn't visit the museum, so he settled for getting his photo taken at the entrance instead. You know what I love about that? 
there was no Instagram yet. He'd already figured out that that's how you do things. Just right, go right. pose in front of the thing, and then you can. And as is the case with him, just make up the story of what you did do while you were right, there. Yeah. Right. I have proof. I was there. See, Ta-da. the bridge I lived under. Yeah. Is that in that. Yeah, in that the, 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 the London Bridge is where I used to live. <laughs> that's what I lived under. So already off to a bad start with this tour. Uh, he had some sort of bronchitis or chest infection. In one of the books, they mentioned that he would beat on his chest with his fist, thinking this violence would loosen his phlegm. I feel like that's kind of a dramatic statement. Yeah, I also don't... I mean, I guess that's true. They do try and break yeah, that up in like, people, yeah. But I don't know if that's the right... I mean, he's such a wee person. I don't. I feel like... Yeah, I, th- I don't remember which of the... I think that came from the Come As You Are book, which of the three books is the one that... That was the authorized biography while the band was still alive. So it's got a lot of the the. I sent you over the weekend that MTV news clip, right, of right, people right. People responding to in utero, and they talk about the "Come as You Are" book in that. And at one point, Chris, who on the Headbangers Ball thing is just called Chris, and they right. just call him Chris, and that's how so, I came into it. So that the the hard T came later. It's both. It's both. <laughs> it's both. But uh, he's uh, taught. Now I got. What the fuck was I talking about? Oh, they're talking about the Come As You Are book. Yes. And uh, Chris goes, uh, yeah, I even learned some things about us when I read that. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Yeah, I because bet. you're blackout drunk all the time and you wanted to make sure, oh, that's what I did? Right. Oh, God, I pee on things a lot, don't I? Yeah, he probably still doesn't know how right. much of that shit's true or false. It's true, because at that point, you're just you're not even living history. You're just reading about it. Right. Even though you were part of it. Right. Good times to be uh, Chris. Ah, uh, Christ. With a hard T. Hard T. Yeah, I call him Hard T. That's my nickname <laughs> for him. Hard T, no uh, Hard T on the bass. <laughs> hard T with the low notes. So, uh, yeah, Kurt was sick. He wasn't taking good care of himself. Uh, real quick, this. back to the beating on his chest thing, though. Yeah. He's a slight man who doesn't have a lot. He can't even rip, you know, fabric off of a stage. We've right, seen footage right. of We've that. We've seen that. I feel if you want some phlegm knocked out of you, you need a heftier man pounding on you. Or, you know, yeah. someone with some girth behind him. You should have had Tad Doyle should have had on Tad do it, yeah. Here's what's weird about Tad Doyle. So Tad uh, is of the band Tad, and his name is Thomas A. Doyle. So to call him Tad Doyle is to call him Thomas A. Doyle Doyle. Right, yeah. It's weird. And I didn't know that about him until, like, I don't know, a month ago? Yeah, I don't think I knew that. Either. I knew his last name was Doyle. I didn't know that Tad was an acronym for his full name. I still don't know what the A stands for, but it's Thomas Doyle. That's his name. What if the A stands for acronym? Thomas Acronym Doyle, better known as Tad Doyle. (laughs) (laughs) I would be into that. Oh, he's of the Seattle Acronites. Oh, you've heard of him. (laughs) Thomas Acron... You get it. Uh, Speaking of Tad, that's who Nirvana was on this tour with. It was... (laughs) They traveled on a, it was 37 shows in 42 days in nine different nations. Mm. But that, you know, it's kind of funny when you, when you put it in nations terms, it does sound crazy, but it's no different than doing a bunch of different shows in a bunch of different states in terms right. of, and if you're talking mainland US, because all those guys are butted up against each other. You're not getting on planes and flying to different countries. Right, you're right. just driving a lot. Right. I have a, a, a friend named Casper who tours in Germany all the time. Is he friendly? Uh, he's very friendly. Good. Casper, the friendly German rapper. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> he tours in Germany all the time. But then he was on, he uh, did the Portugal the Man tour that I was on also. Mm-hmm. And he was just like, there were times where he would just kind of marvel at how much space you cover touring the U.S. Right. Because. You know, you say, oh, well, I'm just in the U.S. and I'm just going to these states. But it absolutely is like in Europe where you go country to country. Right. It's just we're so big and we have so many states. Mm-hmm. And so they all have their own rights, goddammit. Right. So so nine nations sounds impressive. But, it does. And it is. I haven't been to nine nations. And you got to go through customs for each one. It's not like states here where you just kind of like, oh. Yeah, I'm, just drive through. I'm in Texas. I'm in Arkansas. I'm right. in Louisiana. That's not the right order, but you could. 
Theoretically. Do you have to go through customs for each one? For uh, if that, Well, this was pre-European Union, I'm assuming. Yeah, so I would this think way, so. Yeah. Way pre-European everybody, Union. Oh, fuck yeah. So everybody had their own currency. What a nightmare. Oh, shit. Yeah. That's, you know, so you got to have oh. Deutschmarks and Lira and Franks and fuck that. pounds and oh, God. Yeah. That's no good. No, I would. I the one time I was in Europe was pre uh, the European Union, and uh, yeah, it sucks. You're just always carrying different money, and you're like, I don't even know anymore. Everything's three thousand something, and I don't even know what we're doing. <laughs> yeah, fuck that. I just want a waffle. I would still tour Europe, though. Oh, absolutely. I'm anytime. Someone wants to have. Let me, me know. It's uh, at Travis fucking Clark. Not my. <laughs> that's not what my thing is. So yeah, thirty-seven shows, forty-two days, nine different nations. The thing about the the route is it was only possible if, in some cases, they drove all night. I have a few friends who tour Europe, and it seems like that hasn't changed. Like, that's still the... The way you do it. Yeah, if you're a band, if you're not Beyonce, you know, if you're a band who's just trying to make some money there, you are just driving all night, and you're it's not glamorous. Question, is your friend Beyonce? Yes, but she travels differently. Oh, okay, yeah, sure. I just call sure. her B. Yeah, yeah, we're close. Don't we all? Yeah. But she she accepts it from you. Yeah, 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 yeah. We're super tight. <laughs> uh, so on top of this, uh, the, the tour manager on this tour was a Dutch guy named Edwin Heath. And he insisted that the bands drive direct to soundcheck without checking in at the hotel first. Yeah. And now as a comic, I don't... We don't really have soundchecks. Right. Often. We don't have sound checks. <laughs> or if we do, you just go, yeah, that's a mic. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> I'm done. But I don't I don't recall. I, I feel like it was kind of a split when I was on that tour. Sometimes they would just go straight to the venue. And at least, well, they would like go to the venue and load in and then go to their hotels and then come back for sound right. check. So it wasn't like this where you're showing up doing sound check and then I'm assuming the show starts. Oh, so they're not even getting to go back to the hotel. They are driving through the fucking night, sound checking, playing, and then they get to go do whatever? Either that, or it sounds like in a lot of cases they just didn't even stay anywhere. Oh, my God. Go on. Okay, now I get it a bit more. Because when I was reading the notes, I was like, dude, you're like 20-something and touring Europe already. Like, eh, it's pretty good. Yeah. You're doing pretty good. Yeah, it's not terrible. Like, even, even as bad as it, well... Let's talk about the van. Let's talk about the van. They were in a van that Sub Pop rented. It was a 10-seat Fiat van, which, again, if someone came to me and said, hey, we're going to send you on tour, here's a 10-seat Fiat van, I'd mm. be like, that's cool. I feel like that's just a Fiat 500 with four doors, right? Like that's <laughs> Probably. That's not very big. Yeah. Fiat yeah. not known for having large vehicles. Not a spacious yeah. ride whatsoever. And even worse, this Fiat van had to carry both bands' equipment, both bands' merchandise, three members of Nirvana, four members of Tad. Tad? (laughs) Tad, who's gigantic, two crew members, and also don't forget Chris Novoselic. Who is nine foot seven. Yeah, Yeah. he's super fucking tall. Yeah. And also, I thought this was the, like, this is the part that would make me want to fight. Yeah. Tad's drummer insisted on standing up in the van. The whole time? The whole time. Was he a van surfer? Like, sit down. Maybe there was, you know what? With that many people and that much shit, there might not have been a seat for him. It might have been more comfortable to stand than just be like, well, I don't have my own symbols in my, you know, ribs plus Tad in my lap. I'm dying, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I suppose it could have been that. But they make it, just the way they make it sound, he preferred to stand. Or insisted on standing. Insisted. I'm a standing van passenger only. There's an extra seat with tons of legroom. No. No, really, you can sit there. I like to feel like I'm on the world's worst subway all the time. (laughs) I refuse to sit. Jesus. So there's also, so there's that. And then there's Tad's gastrointestinal problems. I was not privy to this prior to I had heard about it, but I forgot. You would think a man of this size would keep a lot of things down. You would think, yeah. You like I'm I don't know where like you you'd think are the calories not coming back up with all the shit he's vomiting? Yeah. Or is it just is he one of those is he a hedonist where he's just <laughs> everything? I'm oh, eating yeah, everything to the point where not everything can stay in me because I ingest so much. Yeah. Yeah, that could very well be. 
<laughs> so his gastrointestinal problems, he would go through pretty much daily vomiting. <laughs> he It was so regular that it was written into the tour schedule. 10 a.m., load the van, 10-10, Tad vomits. I think that gives the Tad album inhaler a whole different meaning Ugh. to me. Uh, yeah. It's kind of gross. Meaning I don't like. Yeah. Yeah, that's bad times. I love that. There's something about regularity that is useful, especially on tour. So there is something nice to know that, like, well, we know every morning at 1010, Tad's going to vomit. But we need to plan for that. Because I'm going to guess that's not a quick, and you're done. Like, it's probably a production. Yeah, it sounds you know? like yeah, it, it sounds like a whole deal. Because Kurt would hold a, a plastic bucket every morning at vomit time. He was the only one who was allowed to hold the plastic bucket, apparently. And he did that because he enjoyed... Uh, looking at Tad's stomach spewings. Oh, Kurt. He, yeah, there are, in every single book, this is brought up, that he was way into checking out Tad's vomit every day on the tour. And he's just kind of way into stuff like this in general. But why? Why, Kurt? Why? Yeah, they, they, they talk about at one point when they were in the red light district in Hamburg, and he was just especially enthralled by all the uh, scatophilia. Shout out to you, Germany. He's a Scheiza film guy? I guess. He's, like, two girls, one cup would have been his business. Like, he'd have yeah. lost it with that. Yeah, he would have been into that. In, like, a sexual way or in a, this is so gross, I enjoy how gross it is. I, I think the I, I enjoy how gross it is. Okay. I don't think he was jerking off to this stuff. I hope not. Yeah, that would be... Ugh, that's a that's a legacy you don't want. Right. It's true. <laughs> you don't want to take that with you. And it's not even we can clear the man's browser. B- books are written about this. You know, right, like it's... Right. This was just... People were like, yeah, you know, Kurt liked Tad's vomit and liked looking at shit porn. Yeah, good old Kurt. Oh, that's not good, Kurt. No. It's not good at all. I don't know why I'm lecturing him now. But, uh, yeah, he was uh, just fascinated by this shit. <laughs> by this shit. <laughs> Gives the, the fecal matter demos a whole different meaning. Yeah. Right? You know? Yeah. That, that, that was a bad name anyway. Yeah. And not a great name, but also, too, it's just like, I'm just going to start naming it after things I like. Yeah. Yeah. He hands you the tape, and you're like, what? What's it called? What's it called? Oh. T- Tad's Vomit. Why would you Ew. call it that? that oh my other name was fecal matter that's better that's a little better there was also apparently a porn mag that tad brought around on the tour that kurt was especially fascinated with it featured a model named chicolina a sex industry star who gained international attention after being elected to the italian parliament oh sure yeah sure uh, one pictorial showed her getting out of a limousine while in the process of urinating in a man's mouth wow each morning in the Fiat van, Tad would pull the magazine out and announce, The library's open! I think he'd more go like, Library's open! Spews chunks. That would be a good way to announce that you're vomiting, too. Oh, oh not only do I have to look at this elected official pee on somebody, but also Tad's vomiting again, guys. Again. And now, this is a thing I knew but didn't remember, but the song Breed was written during this tour, the Nirvana song Breed, and it its original title was Emodium, and it was named after that because that's Tad's anti-diarrheal medicine. But there's nothing about that song that's about a giant man vomiting. Yeah, I think I think it was probably just like a working title, like, look how quirky this that was such a thing in the 90s yeah. with song titles that had nothing to do with right. the actual song. Right, right, right. So that was probably a Because Breed even... Well, I mean, I guess at least he says Breed. He says Breed in the song, so they must have adapted that. Do you remember the band Nude Swirl? Speaking of songs that had nothing to do with anything. No. Uh, so Nude Swirl was a band I was really, really into when I was younger. They only made one album. Uh, they were out of New Jersey, and they were kind of like... I don't know, a little psychedelic and a little grungy, and they kind of fell in that same thing. They had a song called F Sharp for like ever. Like that, that was like their, that's their biggest s- single. Uh-huh. And then forever, I was like, oh, I, I, I get it. It's because it's, 
It's in F sharp. That's why they named it that. Well, the real name was Fuck Sharp, but by the time <laughs> they got a major label thing, they were like, they couldn't, they didn't want to push that hard, so they just called it F sharp. So Fuck Sharp. Fuck Sharp. That's such a good name. Yeah, I know, right? Was it all one word or two words? Uh, I, I think it was originally two words, yeah. That's still great. Yeah. Look cool. up Nude Swirl and uh, check out their one album, I believe, also called Nude Swirl. Nice. Yeah. I will check that out. So on this tour, uh, here's, here's a bright side. Most of the crowds were really enthusiastic and familiar with the songs. Many of the shows sold out a first for Nirvana. Yeah. But since venues were so small, neither band made much money. Well, you know, that's something that I believe uh, Tad still does to this day. To this day. Still does it, but not for a lot of money. He has kept that aesthetic alive. They did get a lot of press on the tour, though, and that, along with extensive airplay from influential DJ John Peel, propelled Bleach into the top ten of the UK independent label charts. DJ, like, uh, on the radio, he didn't... Right, right? radio DJ... A few of the incesticide songs are from the, the John Peel sessions. Peel right? session, yeah. I think. So uh, that he would just have bands come in, and because I mean, every band I like ends up having a John Peel session. I just thought he was yeah. like an engineer or something. Yeah, he works for. I think he's a BBC radio host, and his thing is to be like, "I know you've recorded that song already, but what if you recorded it again and I was there? What if you play <laughs> it in this room? What if you will use my microphones, even though it already exists, and you play it again and I can sell it?" I don't know if I get that. No, it'll work. <laughs> Trust me. I'm John Peel, goddammit. I'm a DJ. The Peel sessions are pretty good. They though. are awesome. The Nirvana yeah. ones. Uh, so this is this is a thing I didn't... I mean, I'm sure I'd heard it before, but the name Heavier Than Heaven, which is the name of one of... The books. The, the Nirvana books. That was also the kind of unofficial name for this tour. And it came about because a UK promoter advertised one of the gigs as heavier than heaven. And it was a kind of a play on the fact that both of the bands had a really heavy sound. And also because Tad Doyle is gigantic. Enormous. He is heavy. That heavier than heaven. Heavier than heaven. Yeah. Yeah. He's heavier than it all. I think he's heavier than at least a Fiat van. Probably. I feel like that was a Fiat van at an angle. Going yeah. down the yeah. cobblestone roads of, of rural Europe. As unhappy as this tour made people, it seems like no one's talking about that van, which had to really be unhappy. But think about it now. Here we are 20, was it, uh, eight years later. Fiat still getting a mention. Still yeah. getting a plug. Killing it. <laughs> this tour brought to you by Fiat. It'll get you there, but you <laughs> won't like it. You'll hate it. <laughs> so, of course, because... Well, not because, but now they're finally playing in front of audiences that like them. They sell, they're selling tickets. So, of course, Kurt gets really sad. Yep. Yeah. You can't have success in Kurt Cobain's world. No. He would often, he would room with Kurt Danielson, who I believe is in Tad. Mm -hmm. I think he's a drummer. Yeah. And uh, he's the standing man. Yeah. Yeah. He's (laughs) standing man. And uh, they would stay up all night in the darkness of the room, staring at the ceiling, talking about what led them to the hell of a Fiat van. I mean... Dude, you're seeing Europe on someone else's dime. It's not that bad. Yeah. Read Rollins' book about... Get, read Get in the Van about what Black Flag was like touring. Yeah. Like, that sounded awful. Yeah. I haven't read that book, but I bet it's, it's fascinating. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a lot of like in, like being in a U-Haul and inhaling the fumes and like, okay, got to pull over because I have to vomit oh, from carbon shit. monoxide poisoning because we're in a fucking, we're sleeping in a U-Haul and driving in a U-Haul. And also he lived in a shed at some point. Rollins, Rollins might be a little uh, into his own mythos as well. I'm going to read that and then Mark Yarn's yes. book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it just keeps going. It's just... Yeah. Never going to stop. Oh, <laughs> that'll teach someone to give us something. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shout out to Mark. He's great. So there was, there's a story in one of the books about uh, during one of these restless nights, Kurt confessed that he wished he was home. He said, I've wanted to go home since the first week of this tour. It's a good Kurt. I could, you know. I could go to my mom's right now if I wanted to. She'd let me. She'd wire me the money. She'd have me, you know? Yeah. Small question, Kurt. What about the bridge? Yeah. What about the bridge that you had to live under because you were something in the way? (laughs) She would not have you. You're living in a fantasy world, Kurt. 
Join the military. Pick your fantasy. You either live in a bridge or you're a rock star or no one wants you. What is it? Sell that guitar and buy a shovel. <laughs> Someone should have given you a BMX instead of a bike. Instead of a guitar. Oh. God damn it. I fucked it up. God damn it. Kurt Cobain BMX sensation. <laughs> we so narrowly missed out. Check out this 720, guys. <laughs> <laughs> that guy does 720s like no one I've ever seen. Dude, I don't even know how he does that. He's the 720 doer of his generation. Yeah, I knew Kurt back then. I used to ride on his buddy bags. <laughs> We were we were on the BMX circuit together, like you know, like he was good, like he was good, okay. But like there were guys in the scene much better <laughs> that could pull off such harder tricks. I don't know, I don't know. He just fit a profile. This is from our first album. <laughs> Most people don't own it, and he just does a three sixty. <laughs> oh, that would have been fun. That would have. <laughs> But imagine if that did all happen, and then he killed himself. Me and you both to this day would probably be like, fuck that bike ride, Dude, motherfucker. I mean, I he got to ride a bike. <laughs> how hard is it? Cry baby bike boy over there talking about how difficult it is. I don't want to ride on dirt. I want to ride on streets. <laughs> Shut up. Shut the fuck up. Get him, Bada. <laughs> Bada. Sniper. <laughs> <laughs> this is a quote from one of the people on the tour the first european tour was grueling and long and cold we're staying in little bed and breakfasts. often a family ran them at one we go to knock on the door and these two schnauzers start yapping and tad goes oh this place comes with complimentary schnauzers so the rest of the tour we wanted our complimentary schnauzers i like you tad but uh you're crazy (laughs) you're a little weird yeah you're a little weird dude also too again this is supposed to be struggling in a difficult time. It's like, oh, we had to stay in all these quaint bed and breakfasts <laughs> with like cute little dogs. Like that's the tour. That's the that's what I would pay money to go do now as yeah. a vacation. Oh, yeah, I exactly. to go stay in like a bed and breakfast and really see the countryside and pet dogs. Perfect. Darn. Rough times. And then he vomited and passed out. Yeah. God damn it, Dad. And like he would vomit up a dog. What the <laughs> fuck, Tad? Did you, you eat ate one of the schnauzer? Oh, it'll come back out. The complimentary. complimentary. <laughs> they put them on my head too. They put them on my pillow. They were complimentary. <laughs> but not everyone saw the tour as a downer. Chad Channing, who uh, the it, hero of the story. It, it, they do put in parentheses that it must be said that most of the others were called Chad as being almost insanely stoical. When you just stoical, say stoical is a weird word. When you just say stoic, uh, yeah, but whatever. Maybe just say friendly or not rattled. Something yeah, like that uh, uh, unflappable. Yeah, inflappable. Chad said Europe was fun. Some people would complain about the food. I'm sick of eating this bologna and salami spread. That kind of stuff. Not me. Some people were so used to being around their own home that after a while they got irritable. Never happened to me. I'd make a point to wake up an hour before we had to leave and walk around whatever city we were in trying to pick up some language. Chad gets it. Yeah. When are you going to see these places? That's how you do it. Yeah. When you're in a place that you're not there before, you enjoy the new experiences. If liverwurst isn't your thing, you try it once, and then you go, ah, liverwurst, not my thing, and you don't do it again. You don't sit around and go, my mom would take me back. Yeah. That was me with Skyline Chili in Cincinnati. I, I had to try it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's bad. It's really bad. Not your thing? No, I don't like it at all. But you got to do it. Yeah, you got to give it a shot. When am I going to be back in Cincinnati? I tried Scrapple once. Uh, I tried that too. Didn't like yeah, it. I didn't care for it. No, it tastes like its name. It tastes like exactly what you think it would be. Yeah. This is the part of the cow that we couldn't use, so right. we made breakfast out of it. <laughs> Great. Yeah, I had that in Washington, D.C., it's uh, more of a Pennsylvania Dutch thing. That's surprising that you had, had well, it like that far down. North, northeast. Yeah. I know, but I, did, I feel like Washington is a lot more pork happening in Washington. Get it? Because of the <laughs> fish of bird <laughs> Not to get political here, but... Uh, <laughs> hey <laughs> They're getting closer every time. Uh, so, yeah, Chad does get it. He, uh, he, he enjoyed the tour. The band would also hold food fights in the dressing room. Of course they would, because they're fucking children. They're children, and they're huge assholes, it seems. Yes. Kurt's favorite trick was to empty an ashtray over a couple of slices of bread to create a dirt sandwich. That's not dirt. That's not dirt. Also, too, maybe someone else is hungry, Kurt. Yeah. Now we can't use the bread. It's so unfair. It's ridiculous. Yeah. You know? 
That's why you end up under a bridge. Exactly. Because you're yeah. sitting there making dirt sandwich jokes about, first of all, it'd be an ash sandwich. Right, uh, right. It's not even close. At least be factually. Yeah, at least try it. You know, well, that's correct. a problem he did have. That was a problem he had. Yeah, yeah. In his myth, it's a dirt sandwich. Yeah, by then the way, he, got, yeah. he got so used to it, he thought he could just spin them in real time. I don't have to be honest. No one's going to check this. No, I this. smoke dirt cigarettes. <laughs> Tobacco's a dirt weed. That's what was said about I it. I got them from Buzz Osborne. Yeah, God, guys. Oh, oh, come on, guys. <laughs> Don't be mean, guys. Jeez. I just want to put flowers in my pants. What was that? What was he that? did that, thing? too. He yeah. would often be seen wandering around with flowers sticking out of his trousers. I, oh, my God. It is trousers. Oh, that wacky Cobain with his flower dick coming down the street <laughs> with his dirt sandwich and flower dick over here. There goes old flower dick Cobain. Flower dick Cobain tried to sell me a dirt sandwich the other day. You should have <laughs> seen it. It was crazy. Nova Selleck would escape reality. This is a very dramatic <laughs> paragraph. <laughs> Nova Selleck would escape reality. This is from the Everett True book. Nova Selleck would escape reality through alcohol. Channing was used to constant change because of his childhood and he'd often talk to himself in weird voices. Why would someone do that? I don't understand. Claimed Cobain, which right there, uh, that doesn't sound like he's adjusting well if he's talking to himself in weird voices. Well, you know, the monotony of it. I do it. I talk to myself in weird voices all the time. The monotony of it could just get to you and you're just like, hey, guys, let's talk in this voice. Well, I don't want to talk in that voice. <laughs> you know, you just kind of try and make your day go by faster. I suppose. Yeah. Or you've gone insane. It's the other option. Yeah. Yeah. Could be one of those. Kurt's way of coping was to fall asleep. He relished it and developed a knack of falling asleep during sound checks. They'd probably be shorter if he didn't do that. Often he'd be sleeping right up until the moment he had to be on stage. It was the easiest way to deal with the situation. The situation? <laughs> Jesus Christ, guys, it's a Euro tip. Uh, you know, it's a Euro tour, not a fucking concentration camp. <laughs> yeah, they are really, really overselling yeah. how bad this is. Oh, God, we got to go make a living doing the art form that we really enjoy doing. Yeah. It's the worst. Sometimes the van's uncomfortable. Yeah. Shut up. I mean, the travel is the worst part of a tour, but. Tours are still fun. Yeah. You're still doing things you love. You're hanging out with your pukey buddy. <laughs> you're hanging and, out with your super tall weirdo. And most tours, you're not going to do them in front of adoring crowds. Right. That are sellouts where everyone knows your songs. Yeah. Especially this early in a band's career. You're showing up and there's people there. You're not showing up and it's like, oh, I guess we'll be each other's audience for our set. Yeah. Which is what some bands I know have had to do. There's right. like the five bar patrons who are there, and the band who goes on first plays for the band who goes on second. Oh, yeah. You know? Not, not unlike some comedy shows, you know? I did a comedy show right here in LA a couple months back that was literally that. It was just me and four other comics in the room and a bartender. Right. And we just did new material for each other right basically God, because guys we could have just gone to a diner we didn't yeah. have to come here we i could have just written this on yeah. paper and read yeah. it to myself guys we we could have we could have started an email chain and everybody could have just stayed home we could have started a band yeah you could have gone to europe. europe getting a tiny little van i hear it's really really cool <laughs> yeah go with some big fat cunt who's always puking oh sh sh there yay! it is yay this is... I only said that for the dinger. I don't <laughs> have that opinion of Tad. I just wanted to say... I just wanted to cunt dinger. Speaking of Tad... Thank you. This is this is a thing I can relate to. He's a very loud snorer. This is... Uh, <laughs> He's, I feel Tad's allowed everything. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know the man personally, but the band Tad, if you haven't listened to him, is just Tad going like... Yeah, like, it sounds like Tom Waits yeah. in a fucking Seattle band, <laughs> yeah. basically. It's intense. It says, uh, we were sharing rooms, always two to a room, if not more, and you did not want to be the guy sharing a room with Tad because you were not going to sleep. I can relate to this because when I, especially when I drink, I snore. Mm. And when I tour, I tend to drink. Mm. And uh, the last Unpops tour we went on, it was me, Jeff, Alex Schmidt, and Tom Ryman. Me and Jeff shared a room. Oh, how'd that go? Uh, we had a... We had a disagreement at one point over Wait, I'm snoring. Jeff May had a disagreement? Jeff May. What? Yeah. It was, uh, that doesn't add up. I mean, we worked it out. It's great. It's it's fine. Like, we're, I mean, obviously, 
How crazy would that be? <laughs> we haven't spoken, I haven't spoken since. to him since then. Everything you hear on the show is just audio drops. I just have a Jeff May voice bank. <laughs> he crossed the line being woken by my snoring. You know, I could go back home and my mom would like my snoring. It wouldn't be a problem. She'd have me. It was fine. We did like we had like a, a clash, but it also ended in me finding the best breakfast spot in Omaha. Oh, it's called Leavenworth. If you're ever in Omaha, okay, hit Leavenworth. It's uh, on Leavenworth Street. Oh, fittingly enough, but it's called Eleventh. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> and boy, do they know how to hook up a plate of biscuits and gravy? Do they? Oh man. Oh man. Uh, how long would it take to get there now? We could get there pretty quick. All right, we'll have to we'll do fly. that after, after we'll the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, all of this, we've been uh, chit chatting about this for 36 minutes, and we haven't even gotten to the opening night of oh, the tour. Well, okay, right. Let's do it. That uh, that happened on uh, Newcastle Riverside on October 23rd. Best day of the year, by the way. Yeah, is that it's your, my birthday? Is that your birthday? That's yeah, my oh, birthday. Yeah. Happy birthday, hey, soon. Well, thanks, buddy. Travis. Yeah, it's gonna be fun. Someone threw a beer bottle and hit Chris on the side of the head. I'm gonna guess he took it well. In retaliation, <laughs> he smashed his bass straight through a couple of amps, rental amps, <laughs> nice that were supposed to last the entire. Tour. This is night one. Night one. <laughs> night one. Did someone throw a bit? Was it these amps? <laughs> Did you throw a fucking bottle? This at amp fucking snuck up on me, and I gotta punish it, dude. My bottle was on top of that amp, and now it's not there. <laughs> and now it's on my head. So clearly, the amps are throwing bottles. Uh, the next day is when they traveled to BBC Studios in Maida Vale. I don't know where that is. I don't either. I've that never, doesn't sound very British. That doesn't sound British right. whatsoever. To partake in the time-honored tradition of recording a John Peel session. Oh, DJ John Peel. They did uh, Love Buzz, About a Girl, Polly, and Spank Through. And nice. I think the electric version of Polly that's on Incesticide is from this The fast one? Session. Because that's one of those songs that they kicked around for a long time and had to try and figure out how to make it sound the best. I think, I mean, I like the fast version, the electric yeah, version, but, but it, it, it uh, whoever came up with it, I'm going to guess Butch Vig, that's the right version. Yeah, yeah, the the acoustic version. And that it's such an easy song to play on guitar. Well, most Nirvana songs aren't Yeah, but that hard. one is right. specially. Well, something in the way, if you want to really get it. I mean, that is, oh, you yeah, just put the drop just, in, you go, dun, dun, dun. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's that too. So, yeah, on October 27th, they played their first show ever in London at the, get a load of this name, okay. everybody, the School of Oriental and African Studies. Are we supposed to say that? Is it okay to say that? I think only if you're a rug or ramen noodles do you still right. get to say the word Oriental. I don't know if I'm, I don't, are we, it's problematic that we're even saying it now? I I've, I feel like we're fine. Okay. I wonder if this place still exists. There's a lot of think pieces about it if it does. It was the home to, just a few weeks earlier, a Mud Honey Soundgarden double headliner show, which, holy shit. That sounds great. Also, too, totally where I would picture them playing. I mean, yeah. just makes just a seamless fit. Ac- seamless fit. Absolutely. <laughs> At that show, the stage collapsed. And a handful of UK music journalists had to physically hold up the trestle tables it was resting on while the mess was sorted out. That sounds like chaos. Yeah. These are a couple quotes from Mark Arm. Mark Arm, not Marky Arm. Arm. Not Marky Arm. The thing that struck me most about playing SOAS was that the crowd was 100% white, which... That doesn't surprise me because I have one friend who was a uh, African studies major He's from Vermont, couldn't be whiter. Yeah, everyone I know that's ever been to Africa is white. Yeah. Or Asian. <laughs> yeah. So it uh, fits into the, to the school yeah, yeah. that they're going to, that they're playing at. This is Mark's description of the show. People were falling all over the stage and we were getting pushed back. So I made this crack like, hey, let's get everybody on stage, which the crowd took at face value. Most crowds Why do. Why wouldn't they? Yeah. Why wouldn't they? At once, everyone tried to get on stage, and security got really mad. Yep, that sounds right. You and Ant- this is him talking to Everett True. You and Anton and Keith Cameron were trying to keep things under control. Things got underway again, and I was thinking, this is so absurd. How can I show the absurdity of it all? Okay, pause. You don't have to do that. Uh, it, the, the absurdity of it yeah. has already happened you in can, your mind. So uh, You could just register that absurdity, maybe put it in your journal. Right. 
Also, too, you're a fucking band. You're not. Play. Yeah. This isn't a Dadaism play. <laughs> you're not here to sit there and, oh, look, I'm a potato who has come to life. <laughs> like, fuck you. Play your songs. How can I show the absurdity of it all? So during the next song, I told the crowd to illustrate a point <laughs> of how dumb they are <laughs> to climb the PA stacks, at which point people did. And one of the security guys started charging me. And Anton had to take him out. Did Anton kill a guy? It sounds show? like somebody just got murdered. And who is Anton? Uh, Anton was their sniper. He <laughs> toured, toured with the band a lot in the early days, just taking out security guards who didn't like uh, Mark Arms comment <laughs> on the absurdity of things. That's where our version of sarcasm didn't translate at all. I remember it being considered a riot, but it was hardly a riot. It was just overenthusiasm. Or it's not sarcasm. No, yeah. Also, whether you're saying it sarcastically or not, if you're inciting people to do something, that's a riot. Yeah. That's uh, how that works. Especially if it ends in a riot. Guys, I don't know. I think Nazism's kind of cool. Why is everyone saluting me like this? (laughs) I don't understand. Guys, I was being obtuse. (laughs) Uh, I don't think Nazism is cool. Fuck Nazism. Fuck racism. Are you sure? I'm going to stand. I know it's not the most popular opinion at the moment, but, right, but uh, I'm going to stick with it. All right. All yeah. right. So I'm going to look into the facts and I'll get back. To okay. You. There's, there's a lot on both sides. <laughs> on lot, both sides. Lots on path yeah. there. Yeah. So this show, after that Mud Honey Soundgarden show, people weren't going to miss this shit. Sure enough, this show was all packed out. Their first London show. Kids were jumping off the speaker stacks. Hell yeah. I'd never seen anything like it. People were losing control of their bodies entirely. Oh, they were shitting. Oh, it seems to be a popular. Yeah. Both the- oh, my God, Nirvana. <laughs> <laughs> Gross. They're playing that song I've heard once before on a B-side. And a week later, that's a commercial with yeah. Bobcat Goldthwait in it. <laughs> People were losing control of their bodies entirely, both the band and the audience. It was a temporary setup in a school cafeteria, not a concert venue at all. So there was very little security, and the room was packed. I don't like this. It's bad. I, w- I would not. Shows like that, I don't. I-, I need seats at a show. Yeah, I mean, back then, I would have loved to have seen something. Like, when I was of that age, I'd be like, yeah. oh, my God, I'm so amazed that I got to see that show. Nowadays, this sounds like my absolute worst nightmare. Right, right. Like, oh, there's no place. Like, ugh. Are they at least going to sell beer? Yeah. Do they at have the a school of Oriental and African yeah, studies? Do they have like a um, concession stand? Do they yeah. have? Is they selling nachos? Where's the snacks? Yeah, yeah. Can I get some nachos? Spring rolls? Is that is that insensitive? What if I bring my own chair? Yeah. Oh, BYOC. BYOC. <laughs> That's a great show. Yeah, yeah. Kurt comes off stage at SOAS and he's looking for something. And uh, he's trying to get all his energy out. Mm -hmm. He decides to let off a fire extinguisher. Sure. I've done that. It's a dumb idea. They were a raucous band. They were... The band traveled from the UK to Hilversum, Holland the next day, where they recorded About a Girl and Dive for radio station VPRO on November 1st. The Dutch dates were in bigger places, nicer, more reserved. Mm -hmm. A lot of windmills, wooden shoes. Right, exactly. Shows included nights at the communal Vera venue in Groningen with its excellent hippie food and table tennis. Oh, yeah. I've heard that about. What? You you know, the table (laughs) tennis of uh, Groningen. Oh, they have really good hippie food. Right, right. Which is just human food, if I'm not mistaken. What is hippie food? It's uh, just food made by people who are high. Oh, okay. Yeah. And who will sell out the next generation later in sure. life. Sure. Oh, right. Yeah. And then uh, cave on their own morals. Right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes yeah. sense. Yep. Yep. The, the gig in Amsterdam ended with Kurt smashing his guitar and then screaming into the mic as the band jammed on some noise number, which would later become Endless Nameless. Nice. Afterwards, the pot smokers headed off to the red light district. To the Bulldog Bar and all that. Yeah, and Kurt fell asleep and Tad vomited, right? That's how all these stories end, right? Pretty much. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Kurt's like, well, I have, to, I have to endure the rest of this tour. And then, <laughs> and then Tad's like, blah! Throws up. <laughs> Kurt just snaps up from being asleep. Oh, let me get my bucket. Grabs his bucket. <laughs> let me look at it, Tad. Stop vomiting without me checking it. This is a quote from Edwin Heath, who was the tour manager. Uh, he was not impressed 
by Nirvana, to say the least. I'm not either. Yeah, they seem like unbearable people to be around. Chris bought a bottle of whiskey on the boat and finished it alone. Mm. Drunk as a donkey. What? (laughs) You know how donkeys like to party. Well, donkeys do get out of control. <laughs> they, like, they like to drink. Drunk as a donkey, completely wasted. At one point, we're waiting for a traffic light in Den Haag next to a police car without lights. No. All of a sudden, Chris opens the door and shouts, Turn on the lights, motherfuckers! Come on, people now! Turn on the lights, motherfuckers! The cops stayed behind us for another 15 minutes. Yeah, you're lucky that's all they did. Yeah. Chris, still completely drunk, went to lie down in the hallway. The hotel is run by two cool guys, one of whom, Philip, looks like Freddie Mercury. No, Chris. He goes to Chris to put him on a chair, and when Chris sees him coming, he shouts, Fuck you, Freddie Mercury fag! And we're told to leave. (laughs) Later, Chris got on top of the van to curse to the whole world. He apologized later. Jesus Christ, Chris. Yeah. I mean, first of all, your whole thing wasn't the whole the Freddie Mercury fag comment. I feel just not in line with who these guys really trying to portray times. them. Yeah, like not who you're trying to portray yourselves as. Oh, no. we're tolerant and we're pro female and we're pro all these other you know choices. And the, Freddie Mercury fag. Freddie Mercury's a fag. <laughs> Give me a bottle of whiskey and I'm gonna yell at some cops and call someone a fag. Oh my god! And no one's gonna stop me because I'm the jolly green giant on base. He's so big. He's large. Uh, after Holland, they went to West Germany. Uh, the first show they played in West Germany was in, Germany was in a tiny little place. On November 9th, 1989, though, the Berlin Wall comes down. Damn, what didn't Nirvana accomplish <laughs> while they were around, man? This is why they were so groundbreaking. You yeah. know, They really united yeah. a divided city. They killed hair metal yeah. and communism. At the same time. That is impressive. Yeah. Killed communism first. Right, actually. And then they true. were like, what's next? What's next? Uh, hair metal. Yeah. No. Those poison guys seem like dicks. <laughs> Let's make them unemployable. Yeah, the uh, the band was on their first European tour. They played in this little village in the middle of Germany and were scheduled to play Berlin on Saturday night. Would have been a guaranteed sellout. There was such a buzz on that first record. We had a really good feeling. And you know what happened? On Thursday night, the bloody wall came down. Oh, God damn Damn these. it, you couldn't wait a day? Come on. Come on! We've been waiting for 40, for 40 years. You gotta do it now. <laughs> We have a show. Come on. We're a band. We've been in a Fiat van. We've suffered too. We've had depression. <laughs> you don't know what we've been through, Berlin. So they do finally make it through traffic and they get to their venue, but they're worn the fuck out. This is uh, Chad Channing. We were driving there in mid-afternoon and I was talking to Edwin. I was like, what is up with all these cars? Because there were DDR cars lined up forever over there. We had a great show that night. If we'd played the night before... We would have had West Germans at our show, not East Germans. We had both. The club we played was only four or five blocks from the wall. So we walked over, and there were still a lot of people there. It was cool. That would be awesome. That would be cool. That would be really fucking interesting. I mean, yeah. I, yeah, and I didn't know Nirvana was in Germany when the Berlin Wall. No, fell. and if I were in Nirvana, and if I were in any band that were playing, I'd be like, yeah, we played so fucking hard, the wall the fell down. Fell we knocked Fucking it down. Fell. Drop G tuning, yeah. bro. We you found that. know what that is? Yeah. Found a new note. New I, was, string. I was in drop communism <laughs> tuning. That's what I was in. <laughs> drop communism <laughs> tuning. This is Chris Novoselic talking about it. That fall, we toured Europe with our label mates, Tag. <laughs> <laughs> we found ourselves in Berlin the day after the wall fell. We counted a column of little Trabant cars 27 kilometers long on the eastern side waiting to enter the west. Chris is already on the metric system when he's describing things? Yeah. That's I don't, surprising. Don't, don't, yeah. Act, don't act up. <laughs> you defecting? The emotion of history in the making was in the air. The west had much to offer, and this wasn't lost on me when I noticed all the Trabants parked on the Reaperbahn, Hamburg's notorious avenue of booze and sex. Okay. Well, I guess I don't know what the Reaper Bond is. I was thinking the Auto Bond. I was too, but what are, like what, are, the, what are Trabants? That must be a. It, it's capitalized, so I'm assuming like it's the, a the, the police model. So let's uh, let's see what a Trabant is. I'm gonna guess a Trabant 
is a Fiat van. <laughs> oh, it's these fucking cars. You've seen these. Oh, those things. Yeah, they, they're the little like the Euro wagon. Yeah, they're in yeah. every movie that takes place in Europe. Right. It's, it's like the Mr. Bean car. Do they still make them? I'm sure they do. They must, because there's a girl getting yeah, in Yeah, look one. at that girl getting out of that one. Look at her getting out of that. Get out of that car, girl. Ooh, get out of that. Get out of that car, girl. Is that a Trabant limousine? I okay. hope it is. Oh, I'm, it's good to know the UK has red Yes, yeah, and it has six wheels in the back. In the back. It has eight wheels total. Right. Good job. That's how you hold one of those things up? I guess so. That's for Tad. That's just a Tad. <laughs> Here's an interesting thing. God love YouTube. Yep. There's so much stuff on YouTube. At one point during this tour in Mazago, Italy... Kurt joined Tad to sing one of Tad's songs called High on the Hog, or and the song Loser. Tad had passed out from the heat, so Kurt jumped up on stage. Yeah, well, according to a YouTube, uh, YouTube comment, Tad had vomited and passed out. Oh. That is what had happened. So apparently, they, had gotten ready, they played a couple of songs, he went, and then fell sure. down and you're like well let's get the smallest person of our crew to replace <laughs> the biggest person of our crew so this is the sound quality is not great on this kind of mono right or is it me yeah it's weird but this is from nirvana's first european tour if you uh go to youtube and search for tad and kurt cobain high on the hog you will find this It's uh Now this is a song that's been circulating on Nirvana bootlegs for a long time. Right, labeled alcohol. Right, cuz that is what it sounds like he's saying. Right. And even after learning that this song is called High on the Hog, I just assumed it was one of those things where that's the name of the song, but they don't really say right. it anywhere in the song. But no, there's they're saying high on the hog, but it just sounds like alcohol. I will say he does a good job of filling in. Like it's a, it's yeah. a good it's a good mix. Should oh. we should we listen to a little bit of the original version? Yeah, so, we might as well play the original. We've been uh, talking so much about Tad. Let's. Uh, we've been talking Tad since this episode started we might as well hear let's it. let people know what he sounds like what i thought the I original that. the original high on the hog and uh i i think i'm accurate in saying that he does sound a lot like tom waits this is a cool song i like it i like tad yeah tad's great yep that's a Tom Waits growl. And the hog. And the hog. Yeah. It's easier to hear him saying hi on the hog. Probably just because this is. Because it's recorded and not in better yeah. sound quality. Yeah. Are they still touring? I think Tad has moved on to try and do film scoring. Fade it out. Well, I, I want to see them in concert. I wouldn't so. mind seeing Tad as well. Tad is still, you know, close to all of those uh, Seattleites. He would fill in with people and like he there's a there's a version of Tad singing Spoon Man, which is frightening. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's like really weird because he's like, it's that, but it's gonna be like Spoon Man! Spoon Man <laughs> I would like to check that out. It was before uh Soundgarden kind of reformed, like a bunch of them were playing a one off show and oh yeah. But uh uh Chris wasn't there for not the reasons he couldn't be there now, and uh Tad filled in and did uh did that. And it nice. was interesting. So let's talk about the Rome show. Oh, the Rome show. Bad times for Kurt in Rome all the time. Not really his city. No, no. They played a show in Rome on November 27th. And uh, in case you're wondering, when on this tour is he going to get in a huge fight that ends in him severing a relationship with someone in his band or closely associated to it? And it's about to happen right now, Travis. Here we go. Finally. Been building to this. (laughs) In the middle of... We talked earlier on an earlier episode about Jonathan Poneman and Bruce Pavitt, who founded Sub Pop Records, Sub Pop, yeah. and their tendency for really crazy marketing stunts. Well, they're in the middle of one of their marketing campaigns, and they happen to be in the vicinity of Rome. So they fly in to see how the band is doing. 
this is a quote from Jonathan Poneman. There's Tad Nirvana riding around in this crummy little van, and here come the moguls flying into Rome. We thought we were lending emotional support, but from their perspective, I can see them thinking, these arrogant sons of bitches. We don't have any money. We're barely eating. We're riding around in this cramped van. We got this fat lead singer who's throwing up all over the place. And you got a crazy drunk bass player. And here come the moguls. And uh, yeah, that's kind of how everyone felt. Right. Also, too, this is the monster you created. Yeah. This is your fault. Yeah. yeah. This is the tour you wanted. That did not sit well with anyone in the band, especially Kurt. He, by all accounts, after that show, was done with Sub Pop Records. I don't totally get it. I mean, yeah. Look, yeah, they weren't where you are, so they took a plane to where you are, and they came there to like support you. And they're putting out your record, and they organized this tour. Like that's that's business, bro. Yeah, <laughs> that's how it works. Yeah, pretty much. Psychologically, the tour was over for Kurt after Rome. He didn't have another guitar player to fire, so this time he essentially fired his label. Mm, he uh, he was still 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 with him for a year. And uh, but then they but then they he didn't really fight. So th- that's when he made the decision. He was like, I don't want to be part of Sub Pop anymore. I'm out. Yeah. But then I'm going to stay for a year. Yeah, that is weird. That is that is very weird. But he is a real reactionary kind of volatile young man. He does make uh, quick decisions, usually based on some weird assumption on his part. Yeah. Yeah. He's a he's a snap decision kind of guy. As and not in a good way. <laughs> definitely not in a good way. Yeah, not and those in snap a... decisions get progressively worse as his life goes on. You know, do you think so? In fact. What, what, what do you think is the worst one he made? I don't like that electric version of Polly. Oh, okay. I think he should have okay. gone acoustic oh, wow. right That's away. the one you think, huh? Yeah, that's the one that I can't think of anything Are else. You can't think of anything else? Sticks hmm. out. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, uh, some of the. Mm, An acoustic in bloom on Nirvana Unplugged? Yeah, that would have been nice. Yeah. Uh, we'll figure it out. Well, we yeah, time. I'm sure there's something. We have time to brainstorm. Right. So, <laughs> <laughs> so they play. They play one more show. Uh, this is the during the Rome show. Kurt Kurt is angry and unhappy in general. They start this show. Kurt smashed his guitar during spank through sure. and uh, climbed up on the PA stack, threatening to jump off. This is Bruce Pavitt. The bouncers were freaked out, as were the crowd. Everyone was begging him to come down. He had reached his limit. If he dived, he would have broken his neck. Kurt clambered up into the rafters, rafters and from there into the balcony where he threatened to hurl chairs at the audience. What the fuck, dude? Damn. At the end of the set, Kurt threw his guitar at Chris, who then smashed it with his bass as if he were hitting a baseball. Kurt's guitar completely disintegrated. Afterwards, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Afterwards, the venue sound guy was so peeved with Nirvana over breaking some mics, he comes up to Edwin and Kurt and shows them the broken mics, which looked fine. So Kurt took them and threw them on the ground and said, no, they're broken. (laughs) Edwin did not take kindly to that. From this point on, I am not going to to manage Nirvana. I'm not sure how we go patched up. Oh, also, Chris and Chad also momentarily quit the band that night. (laughs) So things were just going great. Kurt's up in the fucking balcony threatening to murder the audience <laughs> right before he right. about jumped to his own death. Then he's a real dick to the sound man. <laughs> the tour manager quits <laughs> and the rest of the band also quits for the night. But on the bright side, Travis, how much worse can it get? I can't imagine it could get any worse. It, it, I That's the pinnacle of bad, right? Yeah. And it, it here, the next day, a rare day off the next day. Oh, finally. Uh, Nirvana visited the Coliseum. Things cooled down. Good. During a border crossing on the train between Rome and Geneva, uh-oh, uh-oh. Kurt fell asleep, and his wallet and passport and shoes were stolen. Uh, just real quick, are we calling fall asleep heroin now? Because that's, I fall asleep, I don't fall asleep where you can take everything off of me. Right, you know, right. unless I've never slept that hard. Yeah, uh, you start, especially, like, if you're a professional pickpocket, maybe you can get my, my wallet. There's no way you're taking my shoes off without me waking up unless I'm drugged. Right. That's just not possible. Or un- or been punched. Yeah. 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 It, it, either one of those things. But definitely not just a normal sleep. Yeah. Just a sleepy time. Oh, wake up. No shoes. No wallet. No passport. No. Yeah. I was nodding off on something more than sleep. 
I hear someone texting too loud, it's going to wake me oh, up. Oh, good God. So they had to go to the consulate in Bern, Switzerland, consulate in Bern, Switzerland the next day, which was not a city on the tour, Ugh. and sit there for six hours while the paperwork got done. It was at least a day lost. All right. Old man Travis here. Let Let's me hear it. All right. Here's how you can avoid things like this. Just keep an eye on your shit and plan ahead. Yeah, watch it's your stuff. Not hard. Also, don't be such a fucking terror that your band manager quits. Your tour yeah. manager would be the person helping you navigate all of that shit. That's part of their job. Right. So don't be such a brat that your tour manager goes, I can't, and disappears. Yeah. It's, it's not hard. End rant. Uh, I'm going to go back to my lawn. <laughs> the, uh, the tour went back to England on December 3rd. And they're going back to England, back to like England. looping back, huh? I guess for the opening night of Lame Fest at London's Astoria 11. Was Lame Fest just like a fucking franchise? Because there was guess. one in Seattle. Oh, was there? Oh, right. That's where oh, Bleach first this came out. probably what the, the mogul buddies were doing. They're probably setting up uh, probably. some Lame Fests all around um, all around Europe. Oh, and it's still with us today. So they went there. Oh, it's look, that's a good tour. They went to London to start the tour to draw up some buzz about the band from America that no one had heard before, or at least only heard the records, never seen live, do some awesome live shows, go arrest around, go around uh, the rest of Europe, and then come back for the big show that the label's putting on. Right. That's smart. That is smart. I get it. This show, this is an interesting point in the book, because this show, there's two different sides to the story. On the one hand, there's a ton of people who say it was one of Nirvana's best shows and that it really turned the tide for them. Uh, this is Bruce Pavitt talking about it. He rates the show one of the best Nirvana has ever done. Sorry, Jonathan Poneman insists, to this day, it's one of the proudest moments in my life. Wow. Journalist Keith Cameron, then with the now-defunct UK Music Weekly Sounds, recalls it this way. It was, it was one of these things where the hole is maybe half full when they started but by the time they finished, everyone in the hall was listening and getting into this band. I just ran down the front and freaked out. It was the most amazing band I'd ever seen. You there, boy. What day is it? <laughs> Why, it's Lame Fest Day, sir. <laughs> Lame Fest has begun. Give me a grunge goose the size, <laughs> the size of a small man. But now here's Mudhoney drummer Dan Peters talking about it. It was our tour, growls <laughs> Mud Honey drummer Dan Peter. We had been over for nine weeks. My recollection was that Nirvana was fucking horrible and they were fucking shitty. They could barely get through a song, let alone 10 songs. They were breaking strings left and right. I love this. At one point, Chris was swinging his bass around and I was standing on the side of the stage. All of a sudden, it got loose and I had to fucking. Put my hand up, and the butt of the bass hit me. If I'd been any slower, it would have totally gotten me. He doesn't sound so happy. Yeah, so how are those grapes there, buddy? A little sour? Yeah. A little sour grapes? This is, uh, this is, he goes on. You talk to, <laughs> I'm not done! You talk to anyone in Mud Honey, and we all remember that show. I was sitting there going, this sucks. I wasn't saying that they suck. You did earlier, but I was saying, this sucks, <laughs> but this is the big London show and that this is happening. Ever since then, I've been reading stuff like, if you weren't there, you missed it. Nirvana blew all the other bands away. History has definitely changed that show in a lot of ways. And then here, But then here comes Mark Arm. I thought it was really good. The following week, all the reviews made Nirvana out to be the band. I, or no, this isn't. Who the fuck is Who this? Who is that? Yeah. Yeah, I didn't... Uh, I. Fa failed to put the accreditation to this quote, but uh, I thought it was really good. The following week, all the reviews made Nirvana out to be the band. I felt sorry for Mud Honey because I thought they were amazing those nights, but it was Nirvana getting the accolades. Oof. And that's how the tour ended. Ooh, so it turns out a little bit of tension in the grunge scene. Gonna be some animosity. Oh, wow. Especially like the. I mean that happens in comedy though. You sure. see, like a all the pretty much every year, there's some really young new comic who they're not like, ready. Oh, this is their <laughs> third special. Okay, oh, that's great, interesting. But that makes it seem like I'm calling people out. But like who? No, but uh, like <laughs> yeah, but like uh, like Gerard Carmichael has sure. 
I think two or three specials now, but he should. He's he's right. great. The first one wasn't great, but other than that, yeah, like, like Jack Knight has TV shows and shit now. Look, uh, sometimes people get successful. Sometimes it happens. Yeah, yeah. Fucking lighten up, Mud Honey. Yeah, your time will come. Mud, <laughs> it's not gonna come. Wow, well, Mud Honey, not so sweet, Mud Honey, not so <laughs> sweet. I bought Mud Honey's first album on vinyl last time I was that same uh, tour in Omaha. I bought a Mud Honey album in it's Omaha. It's an odd place also. to buy a Mud Honey record. Omaha is cool as shit. I'm not saying Omaha isn't cool. I'm just saying to buy a Mud Honey record, oh, I feel yeah. like you'd want to be up in Seattle or yeah. at the Sub Pop they store. Have, uh, in, they have this like old town section of Omaha. That I've heard good things about Omaha. A bunch of really cool record stores. Love it. Let's go. We should. Oh, we got to go get the 11's worth biscuits. Oh, my God. Right? I w- yeah. Yeah. We'll go. We'll go. God damn it. Oh, I like biscuits. So this was fun. Yeah, what a what a what a whirlwind tour for the young men. Crazy tour, but it uh, everyone quit the band at one point. <laughs> yeah, everybody wanted to go home at least every now and then. There was a lot of puking, lots of vomit, just uh, so much just, vomit, just vomit, 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 and apparently, highly, highly prized Fiat van was uh yeah the vehicle that got them all there. Why couldn't we be into like Motley Crue or something? And all these stories would just be like, we're broke, but we did a lot of fucking. Well, we were on that Lear jet when we fucked everybody who was on Baywatch. <laughs> oh wow, sounds like the road's tough, guys. <laughs> this is a good book. You're right. <laughs> all right, do we have anything to plug before we get out of yes, here? Yes, I will be at Treat Sex in Azusa reading from my short story. This horse is a cannibal. Uh, all through September on the weekends. Very nice. Yeah. Also, uh, this goes up uh, tonight. If you're listening to this the day it goes up, come out to the Alex Theater in Glendale for the next Unpops live stand-up show. Starts at 7.30 p.m. Go to eventbrite.com and search Unpops to reserve a spot. Alex Schmidt is headlining. John Fahey's there. Vanessa Gritton's there. Carrie Martin, Chet Wild. The gang's all there. The gang's all here. And then September 20th, I'm there. Travis Clark is there. I'll be there telling some jokes. Travis Clark, Connor McSpadden, Josh Denny. Holy shit. That's lineup that is going to be fun. That is going to be a crazy lineup. Yeah. So uh, come out to both of those. Uh, there might be a, a very special guest in the audience at uh, tonight's show. Oh, yes. I saw that tweet. Yeah. 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 That's exciting. That's yeah, that's so cool. cool of them. They're so fucking great. All right, let's get the fuck out of here. Let's fucking bail. Travis, say goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye, everybody. We love you. We love you. That was our tour. It was our fucking show. 